0: Well, it's good to see you again here this morning. I agree with all that's been said on, uh, especially from Monty about mothers. The older we get, the more we do uh, appreciate uh, the gift that God has given to our uh, with our moms. I did not take a survey, but I wonder. What it would be like if moms were to uh, uh, come up with the perfect world. What kind of world it would be? <laughs> Obviously, we don't live in a perfect world. But a lot of times, we're, uh, our expectations are still kind of there, right? Still kind of, we're, we're thinking about it, we're cooking on it. Over the last uh, six years, I've uh, come to realize, my wife and I, come to realize that uh, part of that perfect world would see lots and lots of babies. Uh, but at this point, it's lots and lots of grand babies. Right? Duleys and parishes. Amen. Yep. Our uh, our understanding of, um, you know, how God has blessed us, it, it is. It's a wonderful thing. Um, we are we are in the midst of a series on the holiness of God, and uh, we're turning a bit of a, a corner here this morning. In uh, we we've looked at here's the Lord is holy. We did a couple of messages on that, and then holy is the Son, and holy is the Spirit. Pastor Brennan brought to our attention the last two weeks. And now if you look at your outline, you'll see holy are God's people. And if you're like me, we kind of uh, like can't hardly fathom that just in our own thinking. We've got to have the word of God to help us uh, to to enlighten our minds and to enlighten our hearts to the truth of God. We wonder how in the world uh, could anyone be considered holy Amongst us we understand it with God. We we've gone over that and studied that and I hope that you'll continue studying it Um, Some somebody mentioned to me about uh, bringing out the a book again on the knowledge of the holy By A.W. Tozer and there's all sorts of good books that if you are interested in I'll Let you know of some that that we would recommend R.C. Sproul on holiness Uh, John MacArthur on the majesty of God. Um, Others that are there. uh, Jerry Bridges writing on the holiness of God. Again, this is something that we have um, just a scratch of an understanding of. We need to have more of that. We need to understand more about the holiness of God. That He's perfect in His holiness. But here today... We're going to be looking at uh, just a very, a sample. We're going to look at a sample in Romans chapter one. So go ahead and turn there. Romans chapter one. All this is is a sample for us of what the New Testament has on a consistent basis. Okay. In Romans chapter one, which is the first letter to the churches i believe out of the uh aspect of priority and importance it wasn't the first letter written to the church but it is of importance the first one we ought to go to so the the book of romans is very critical to the christian faith okay because in the book of romans here's the the mess- he gives the message that underlies all of life You can't get any other message than the gospel that helps stabilize our lives. Makes us right with God, number one. And then gives us stability in living. And that's not even the the second most important thing. It's just about, really, it's about the righteousness of God. That's the emphasis that um, Paul gives in this letter. The emphasis is on the righteousness of God. And oh, by the way... That's what he is, right? He is righteous. He is holy. And that's what we lack. You and I lack any form of righteousness. We, we can have our own level of righteousness, but that doesn't make it with God. All have sinned and what? Fallen short of the glory of God. The, the glory of God, the righteousness of God, and the holiness of God are all uh, interrelated. What's going to give God glory throughout eternity? His righteousness and holiness. And the fact that Christ went and died on the cross. That's what's going to give God glory throughout all of eternity. And you and I need to start um, taking that in more and more. Absorbing it. In our minds. Here's, and what's at the core of that? The gospel of Jesus Christ. It's surprising the number of Christians. And I, I know I'm kind of throwing out a blanket statement here. But the number of Christians that just struggle in, in things of, that are really asked in relation to what the Bible says is, is basic stuff. Basic stuff and we struggle with it why because we don't have our feet in our lives in our very our very the core of our being grounded in the gospel the gospel is that effective the gospel of Jesus Christ is that effective and that's what we want to understand um, so in romans it's because god is holy he is righteous and that's the very characteristic that you and i lack so that's why here comes the gospel god providing the answer the remedy to our problem and thus as you look at the introduction in your outline you can see the result is the standing of the true believer if you've come to faith in christ you have a position you have a standing before god and ephesians 1 tells it it's holy and blameless Holy and blameless, and all too often we don't let that sink in. You know, we we um, we compare ourselves with other people, and we never quite what? We never quite match up. We're always missing out. Oh, I'm not I'm not good enough. I'm this and that. But we're looking at the wrong uh, object. We need to look at God. We need to look at His Word and gain our bearings by looking at Him. And what has he done? When you place faith in Christ, you haven't necessarily felt that you've been placed in a position of holiness, but you have been, it's not because of you, it's because of hmm. going to church every Sunday. I, I try to go to church every Sunday. No, it's not based on that. It's based on Christ, on what he accomplished. Okay, I've said it time and time again. He cried out from the cross, it is finished. And he perfected the work. Therefore, when you have put faith in Christ, you stand, what? Really good, really good standing with him? Tell me no. Thank you. You stand in perfect standing with him. Now, here's the problem. We we run with that and we say, hey, that's great. That's really neat. I like that idea. I I stand, you know, holy and blameless before God without spot, without wrinkle. Don't keep going too far off there. Okay, because next week, not this week, but next week, we're going to talk about our memory verse. You remember our memory verse? Are you memorizing our memory verse? Beloved, right, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness thank you in the fear of god see and if we aren't working at memorizing things like that we're going to keep struggling with the issue of our side of the deal our responsibility, we'll call it that, our responsibility. Your responsibility is to walk in holiness. Well, today, we're going to talk more about the position that we have. Not so much the practice, but the here's the position that we have. Okay? So, in Romans 1, starting at verse 6, it says, he, he's addressing the, the believers here, and he says, Among whom you also are the called Of Jesus Christ. To all who are beloved of God in Rome. Called as saints. Grace to you. And peace. From God our Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a very familiar type of greeting. That's why I say this is like a sample. Every. Just about every New Testament letter. Has a similar greeting in it. Okay. It's in. Here in Romans, it's in First and Second Corinthians, it's in Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, it's in First and Second Thessalonians, it's in Philemon, it's in Hebrews, it's in Jude. Is that enough evidence? There's, you know, and but it's we say oh, it's just a greeting, but we're going to find out it's more than a greeting, okay? So, but number one, as you follow in your outline, it's a matter of that we believers, true believers are called to belong to Jesus. Now, it's a matter of, here's the call. It was not your idea. It was God's call for you to come to Christ. Um, Some believe that, hey, everyone's called, right? That's the invitation of the gospel. Everyone's, Everyone's to come. If you have not yet come to Christ... To, to come to faith in Christ, it hasn't taken effect in your life. But the call is there. The call is there. It's always been there to come to faith in Christ. That's how you get right with God. Okay? And when someone does, like, okay, so so-and-so has put faith in Christ, now that call has become what? Effective. It's an effective call. All right? If you've put faith in Christ, you've been called you, you you have been called, and this is another subject for another time, but the whole thing of um, predestination and election. this is what God has done. He has elected some. We don't understand that fully. And this is when you respond to faith in Christ, you are now we could say you belong to him, okay? So this is where we start as Paul does in Romans. It's with the gospel, the good news. Now, the gospel was never intended to be an add on to your life. It's rather designed to be like a corporate takeover. Okay. And it's not a wicked, evil takeover. Obviously, it's a good and righteous and holy takeover. But somehow, because of the way we are, we don't treat it like a takeover. We kind of look at it like, hey, I'm. Uh, I, I like to think of it, in, you know, in in um, lieu of sports. I, my mind goes there a lot of times, and I, I, you think of these NASCAR drivers. They walk around in their, in their suits, right? What kind of suit is it? It's a fireproof suit. It's fireproof, and I've got my patch on. I got my. My advertisers patched all over me. Now I can, you know, walk around with my fireproof suit on, Christianized. And I can walk around with my Jesus stickers on. I can have a Jesus sticker on my bumper. I can do all that. That doesn't mean I'm truly saved. And that's part of the problem we have in our world and in churches and with Christians. Christians people live and act in such a way that, you know, oh, I've got my my Jesus sticker. I've got this. I've got that. That tries to identify with Christ without submitting to Him. Okay? And so that's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, depart from me. I never knew you. Okay, and who is he saying that to? He's saying that to the people who are crying out, saying, "Hey, Lord, we did this, we did this, we did this in your name." Okay. And Paul is not just using flowery words here in this greeting. He's saying to all who um, th- to the called of Jesus Christ. Uh, To those who are called to belong. That's the idea behind the call of Christ. That you call, you are called and you thus belong to Him. Okay? What a great segue for Mother's Day, right? You know, moms. Hey! When that little baby came forth on that day, or all the ones that you remember, Maybe you don't remember that many. <laughs> Moms remember, I think, right? Moms remember. Help me out, right? And you, yeah, so that, that time, that, that date of birth, right? You know, there, there is the issue uh, of possessing that child. You, you possess the child in the womb, but that's a little different. Now you get to hold the baby, Okay? This is connecting with the truth of how you, how do you belong to Jesus? Turn to John chapter 1. Let's look at what John tells us there. Again, this is something that should be familiar to you as a mature believer. This is something that should be familiar to us. But in John chapter one, verse 11, it says that he came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. But verse 13 is what we want to look at. It's not from your, uh, it's not from your doing, it's not from your idea you didn't just wake up one morning to say I'm going to choose Jesus. God was working in your life to draw you to himself. So although here's what John uh 12 John 1:12 says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. That's great. Now you you belong to him. That's the idea. Called to belong to Jesus. What's the what's the condition there in verse 13? Who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Okay. Along with that, you know, we see uh, we we are reminded of Titus chapter three, verse five, where it says he saved us not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness. But according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, that's his work. And he started that. He, he started churning that somewhere at some point in your life to result in faith in Christ. He started the work. It's his doing. Okay? So, just like when that baby is born, little Johnny, little Susie is yours to hold and embrace it's your child. You you don't mistake it for someone else. It, it, that's my child. I don't look at some other child and say, oh, that's my... No, that's my child. Here's that issue of possession, that issue of belonging. The belonging factor starts up real early in the baby's life, doesn't it? Baby knows after coming out and getting the stuff wiped off and all. And here and now here's eye contact. Here's connection. Here's the feeding. Here's the changing of the diapers, all that. There's a sense of belonging that continues to what? Build in your life. It's family. Is that what's happening spiritually in your life? Is that sense of belonging, building? Or is it diminishing? What's going on? Okay? So, I I think, you know, my earliest... I. I was trying to think of this. You know, my mom passed away a few years ago. But I, I thought, what's the earliest remembrance I have related to this idea of belonging? And my earliest remembrance was being in the front seat, driving somewhere. I guess we were driving home. But I, I remember the picture of my mom holding a bundle called Gail, my sister, and not in a car seat. <laughs> Shame on us, right? Back in the, back in the mid fifties, late fifties, my sister was born. I, I remember that. That was cool. Does anyone, you know, you, you, you can connect with that, right? Then the other thing that I remember, early remembrances, when I got lost in the grocery store. I was 14 years old. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, I was. I I can't remember how old I was, but I. You know what I remember was, I'm lost. No, I can't find mom. And there's a there's now a separation thing. No, uh, uh, I can't. Where is she? I was scared. I remember that. I don't know how old I was. I wasn't 14. I was like, I don't know. I was walking around. So these things of belonging, that's that's the idea behind this this greeting that Paul gives us about belonging to Jesus Christ. We want to take what we like and what we're familiar with about family and we want to remember, here's the way that God wants it to be about you belonging to who? Him. That sense of strength that's there because of Him. Okay? And remember, we need to remember, it was by his calling us, his wooing us, his convicting us of sin and, and pointing us to the cross of Jesus. Okay? So it's all his sovereign work. And it leads to point number two, that in this greeting, we're called the beloved of God, the beloved of God. God does not love you due to what he sees in you. Okay? It's not based on how, you know, you're really a pretty good guy, or a really pretty good girl. No. It's based on what? On him. His love, it's all based on who he is. He doesn't... You know, it's not based on what he sees in us. Because really, apart from Christ, what does he see in us? Wickedness, sinfulness, a depravity. A total inability to do anything that pleases him. So that's why it's important that we preach Christ. That we preach the gospel. So that people will get right with God. In a a way that brings about a right Standing with God and then a right walk with God okay listen to 1st John chapter 4 listen, it's 1st John 4 9 and 10 in this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him in this is love not that we loved God right we all, we all are familiar with that. We didn't first love God. He loved us. And He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. We've talked about that word, propitiation, where Christ steps in and absorbs the, the wrath of God to take away punishment from the repentant, contrite believer or sinning person that... Puts faith in Christ. Does that make... We got that. We need to have that. Okay? So it's not just... I, I know we all love the, the nursery kind of song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's true. But we need to understand deeper than that that He loved me because of who He is and how great He is. And that this love was secured at a great immeasurable unfathomable, incomparable cost. We can't we can't measure it, but it was a, at a great cost. Okay? So let's get this set and get it in our heads and minds. God's love for you and me was not given or demonstrated because He needed us or He saw that we earned it. No. It wasn't because we were attractive to Him in some way. Like we'd make His family look better. No, it was because of who He is. Okay? It was all about Him. It always will be about Him. And you and I, we can glory in His love, can't we? We can rejoice in His love. That's what we need to do. He had mercy on us. He had pity on us because of our condition. And He sent Christ to be the propitiation for our sins, to take that punishment so that we might become sons of God. What does the song say? Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldest die for me? And let's let that simmer and sink in. Amazing love. Okay, Okay, so now we go to point three. Point three, the next one that Paul addresses here is that we're called as saints. Most of all, all of us are thinking, no way. No, I, I'm not a saint. You don't know me if you're calling me a saint. Okay, this is where a lot of Christians stumble and t- get tripped up. What this means and how it has been misunderstood that the term saint is from the Greek word hagias, meaning sanctified one, holy one. Set apart one. Okay? And who is Paul addressing this to? He's saying, You are saints. You who? You who are believers. But what does our default thinking go to? Well, uh, the Catholic Church kind of has that trademark. That's theirs. Um, They, they, uh, you know, they make people like Mother Teresa into a saint. I'm not a Mother Teresa. No, you aren't either. So what happens is we we go in our minds to think, oh, uh, that, that's not me. No, nope, not me. You know, the, the Catholic Church would never consider me a saint. I mean, especially I was born on Reformation Sunday. <laughs> if that went over, you'd talk to me later. Okay. But really, listen, folks, it's a very sad situation amongst Christianity, amongst Protestant churches that think in terms of, well, that's the Catholic church. They make people into saints. They exalt the individual to sainthood. Um, We're just, we don't have that. We don't have that kind of thing here. And we never really talk about it. It's not talked about a lot. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Listen to Hebrew, well before we go there, let me just jot this down, Luke chapter 5, 12 and 13. Luke chapter 5, 12 and 13. And there's the example of Jesus in his word and his work in what he accomplishes to cleanse and purify a leper. The leper says, "If you're willing, and what does Jesus say? I am willing." And what does he do? He touches the leper. You don't, you're not supposed to touch a leper. Because you get leprosy. You know, back in that day, you didn't have all the medical, you know, technology, etc, etc. You know, you basically you got it now. So you weren't ever supposed to touch them. And he reaches out, he touches them. But, you know, in our day and age, we think of leprosy. Oh, how terrible. What was the connection of that story? Hello? My, my sin, your sin, that's how nasty it is. In fact, sin is nastier than leprosy. Do you believe that? Sin is nastier and more wicked and evil than leprosy. But we look at it because we're looking at it with physical eyes and we say, oh, that's, oh, oh, terrible. But when it comes to sin, you know, we're, we're like, we become good buddies almost, it seems like, or we're familiar with it. And it's like, you know, we tend to think it's okay. I'm talking, when I say that, I'm, I'm really referring to my own sin or your own sin. So, you know, this, this idea is, amazing what jesus did and then on top of that write down hebrews 2:11. for both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one father for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren that's what christ did by christ's death he made men holy he paid for the price for their sin by dying on the cross Also, Hebrews 10, verse 14, where it says of Jesus, for by one, listen, for by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are what? Those who are sanctified. See, this is why it's so important for Christians to understand what Christ has accomplished on their behalf, giving them this position It's Christ who sanctifies men, makes them holy, sets them apart, and cleanses them. And this is only possible when a person comes to faith in Christ. Faith alone in Christ alone. Have you believed? Have you placed faith in the perfect work of Jesus Christ? Then I call you saint. That's what Paul does. You're a saint. Okay, now we've got, now it opens up to go, whoa, okay. Why? Because that per- no, not because the person is good enough, but because of what Christ accomplished, what Christ has done. You are a saint. Interesting story in uh, Dr. Barnhouse's commentaries. Dr. Barnhouse, a famous man from back at, I think, um, Philadelphia, in Westminster Seminary, Dr. Barnhouse tells of a story of Harry Ironside. Harry Ironside uh, was a Bible uh, commentator himself, a Bible teacher. And Harry Ironside is on a train traveling to the West Coast. Included uh, in the company are a number of nuns. I don't think they were in the musical here last night. But anyway, they were uh, traveling on the West Coast and Harry Ironside got to talking to them reading and sharing scriptures and then like on you know later on in the trip he finally asked them if they had ever seen a saint and they said oh no 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 we've never seen one but you know that they had heard of them but they'd never seen one so he asked them if you would like to if they would like to see a saint and he turned to them and said hi i'm harry i'm a saint and they were taken back why because of their understanding of what the Catholic Church has done in elevating people. Well, what does Paul do? Does Paul elevate certain saints? No, he elevates the one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who are believers are saints. Okay? So, along with this, this is what we want to understand also. This is a bit of a... Um, a tag on to this understanding here, and it 's important mark down Malachi chapter three, verse two, because in Malachi um, there were problems that Israel was dealing with, they were uh, um, a wayward people, and Malachi is calling them back and prophesying, and in the prophecy he 's going to mention let me read it so i don 't miss up in Malachi chapter three, he says this. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and uh, like a fuller's soap. Okay, so he gives us two word pictures there. Refiners fire and fuller's soap. And this is the work that God does on His people. This is not only the work He does on His people, refiner's fire and fuller's soap, but this is the the description of Him in the millennial kingdom. That's what Malachi is dealing with. He's saying, He's going to come again. And here's what He's going to do. And what's behind the word pictures of refiner's fire and fuller's soap? He's going to heat it up. Listen, Christian, he's going to heat things up. Why? To get the dross. We, we, most of us know this idea, this picture, to get the dross to come to the surface and move the dross out of the way to have what left? Pure gold, pure silver, pure something. And the, ref- the fuller's soap? That was pretty harsh soap. They rubbed it in and then they beat the, the fabric. They beat it. To get the stains out. And that's the idea behind the fuller soap. Two very important word pictures. Is that still happening in our lives today? Yeah. Yes, it is. Why? Because God wants his children to what? Walk in holiness. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We do well to remember the truth of Hebrews chapter 12 as God's children. If we say we are God's children, uh, we need to understand that this passage, along with others, describes the love that God has for his children. So, not only does is there a holy standing, a holy position before God because of Jesus, he uses the word of God to bring about holiness he he allows trials difficulties and suffering to develop this to develop the reality okay the reality of our position he allows the trials the, the sufferings the difficulties to happen hebrews chapter 12 talks about it okay it's about discipline Verse 7, it is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. There's no belonging there. Do you understand when there's tough times and, you know... I don't know how we interpret it, but the the issue of how we know that God is disciplining us. And how do we respond? Do we throw in the towel and say, ah, I'm I'm not going to do this anymore. Or do we say, my father is allowing this to happen in, in bringing forth discipline in my life. And look then... At verse 9 and 10. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they, those the earthly fathers, they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But He disciplines us for our good. There it is. So that we may share in His holiness. Okay? So... This is God's work. He's given us this holy and blameless position in Christ. But here's what he's doing behind the scenes. He's going to work in refining people, in cleansing people, in disciplining people. Why? Because of that he loves us and for the purpose of living holy lives. Okay, back to Romans to wrap it up. Point number four, we are the recipients of God's blessing. The recipients of God's blessings. And all this comes down to is that he says, grace to you in verse seven. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians are called to live by God's grace and enjoy the peace that comes. Grace is his favor. Peace is the fruit of that favor. Okay. We covered some of that in our Sunday school class this morning. May we, as God's children, demonstrate this today, that I'm, I'm depending on, relying on His grace. I want to do that in, a, in an abiding way, not in a week-to-week way, but in an abiding way. It's about His grace in my life. Saints living by His grace. Now, when we face a new week, here's a new week coming A new day tomorrow. It's so helpful for you and I, if we're believers, to identify ourselves in this way. I identify myself as a child of God. I like that picture. Sometimes I don't identify myself as a saint. Why? Well, that's a bit harder to swallow. But what am I, if I think that way, what am I basing my thoughts on? I'm basing my thoughts on more about me than about Him. So we turn our thoughts, take the new day, and respond by saying, "You know what? God has made me His child. I am a saint. I am a I am a light of the world because of He is the light of the world." Simply put, it's God's God's doing. You are a saint. That is our standing. That is our position. So as uh, uh, John Piper had entitled one of his conferences, "Act." Act out the miracle. Is life a miracle? Earlier this week, I saw the Beheimers, uh, um, the pictures of the new little, the new little one. Okay? Yes, Stephanie is pregnant if you hadn't heard. Okay? There. I let it out. Don't know. I think people knew. Anyway, I got to see pictures. That's a miracle. To see in the, the detail of the picture, and there's the, the little tiny guy's spine. It's amazing. That's a miracle. But we're talking physical. It's still a miracle, but let's, if we're saying we're Christians, guess what? There's a spiritual miracle to live out. And that is, God is holy, and He has allowed His children to be called saints. Let's understand our position in Him and live accordingly. And then next week, we'll come back together and talk more about our responsibility in it. No, it's not going to be really fun to deal with that. But you know what? It's what's best. It's what's best. Let's pray. Thank You, Lord, for our time in Your Word. Thank You that Your Word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, uh, we pray that There'd be people here that would come to faith in Christ that would submit and admit their sin and their need for You and call out to You in faith. God, do Your great work. You're the Savior. You're the Lord. Uh, Holy Spirit, You're the one that brings conviction of sin and conviction of righteousness. We pray for You to do this great work. Uh, Lord, use us this week for Your glory Help us to rely on You, to walk with You, to draw near to You. We praise You that You are the perfect Holy One. And we lift You up. Thank You for our time again. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. And uh, shall we, men, will you join me in just saying, Happy Mother's Day. Ready? Happy Mother's Day. All right.